Amen. It is so good to see you. Preaching, you can be seated. Sorry, guys. Preaching to a camera week after week stunk. We hated it. And so it's good to be able to see you, to interact with you, to be engaged with you. So if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Now, I, I want to ask you a favor. I love to interact and I love to see people and, and I love to, the interaction that we get on, uh, on the weekend when we're preaching. So I want to ask you to humor me. You may not like what I'm about to ask you to do, but would you humor me? I know you just sat down. I want to ask everyone to stand up, if you would, for just a minute. And I want you to take your hand, and you don't have to, but we're going to write your name down if you don't stand up. I want you to take your hand and I want you to place it on your abdomen. And I want you to take your other hand and place it on your abdomen. When I was in college, there was a condition known as freshman 15. All incoming freshmen gained about 15 pounds that first semester. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you COVID-19. If you put on a few pounds over this uh, quarantine social distancing, raise your hand. We all did. We all did. That's all, that's all I wanted to say. So glad you're here. We can get that weight off, right? So I want to I wanna invite you to do a little bit of honesty. And it's so cool to see the joy and the happiness. Uh, if, if you are, though, a little bit nervous about being here this morning, would you raise your hand? Just say, hey, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. Okay, great. There are some hands up. If you're not at all nervous, raise your hand. Yeah, it's crazy. We live in the craziest city in the world. So it's so good to see you guys here. And if you're watching online, if you're there at your house right now, we just want to say God bless you and thank you for joining us. We are here uh, together and we're worshiping together. And so we're glad that you're there. We're glad that you're tuned in. And uh, we can't wait to see what God wants to do in and through us. Today, our passage of scripture is from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Uh, we are continuing in our sermon series called Impossible. And I invite you to use one of the Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, I invite you to use one of the disinfected Bibles underneath the seat in front of you. Uh, and as always, if you don't have a Bible, please take that Bible home with you, especially if you use it today, please take your Bible home with you. I'm just kidding. We believe that if we read God's word and apply God's word, God will show up and God will change our lives. And we love life change here. So incredible to see over the last 10 weeks, 40 baptisms, 40 people. Hey, I love it. See, the reality is we can't stop God. We can't stop God from showing up and showing off. We can't stop God from changing lives. And so even though we said, okay, social distancing, we can't worship together, God said, I'm gonna keep changing lives. And it's so cool and so neat to see. The message today is about a woman who was miserable. And it's not because of her husband. She was, <laughs> she was miserable because of pain that she was experiencing. And I think that you would agree whether, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a generation Xer. We don't like categories. I don't like people saying categorically, this is who you are. But the reality is we all fall into one or two of two categories. First category is those who have been hurt. Those who have experienced hurt. 
maybe it's through something that was done to you. Maybe it's through, through your past. Maybe it's through a, a bad marriage. Maybe it's through a spouse. Maybe it's through your children. We've all experienced some degree of hurt. And the other category that we all fall into is those who will be hurt. We all have gone through hurt or we're going to experience hurt. Whether it's a pain caused by COVID-19, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's a job loss, whether it's rioting right now. And, and to all of our snowbird friends that are there in Minnesota and in other cities across the United States and you're watching us, we want you to know we love you. We are praying for you and we pray that God would bless you and protect you and keep you strong and healthy. Uh, so whether or not you're, you've experienced divorce, financial, the reality is financial loss, we've all experienced hurt in our lives or we are going to experience hurt in our lives. So today I want us to take a look and answer this question for you or for those around you who are hurting and walking through a difficult season. And the question is this, why is there hope for those who are hurting? Why is there hope for those who are hurting? Why do we say to a friend or a loved one or a family member, hang on, it's going to get better? Why do we offer hope to those who have experienced a miscarriage and say to them, well, you know, the timing didn't work out. Hang on, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Why is there hope for somebody who has lost their job? Why is there hope for those whose marriage is on the brink of divorce? Why do we offer hope for those who have received a terrible medical diagnosis? Why should those who are hurting, those who are operating in crisis mode, hold out for hope? Well, we're going to read together this passage of Scripture, and we're going to find out why. So let's read together Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and she could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Now, this woman physically was miserable. Do you guys hear that ringing? Am I the only one? So guys in the tech booth, there's a lot of ringing up here. So I don't know what I need to do to fix that. Maybe it's my ear. Uh, for 18 years, this woman had experienced a tremendous 
amount of pain. Now, there's a spinal disease that this woman most likely had that uh, causes a person to be bent over. And in the initial phases of this spinal disease, uh, what happens is there's some pain in the back and, and a person with this condition finds that they're, they, they don't feel the pain when they lean forward a little bit. And so as they, as they grow or as they age, it becomes progressively worse. And so every day that woman had to bend over just a little bit more to alleviate the pain. And then she'd have to bend over a little bit more to alleviate the pain. And she'd have to bend over a little bit more to alleviate the pain. And you may have seen people with this condition as they're walking around. You may have seen them in small towns or big cities. A person with this condition is bent over so much because they can't straighten out their back it hurts too much and what happens the spinal uh, bones whatever the spine begins to fuse together and so whether they're sleeping whether they're walking whatever it is the only way that they can alleviate the back pain is by bending over more and more and this woman did it so much for 18 years that the bible describes her as being nearly bent in half Day after day, this woman wrestled with that back pain. It impacted her sleep. It impacted the way she walked. Uh, she could not pick up her children, her grandchildren. She could not work. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you have experienced back pain in your life? It's terrible, isn't it? Uh, raise your hand if you've ever had pain in the back. Okay, raise your hand if you're sitting beside a pain in the back. <laughs> sorry, husbands, sorry. Most men know enough not to open, uh, not to raise their hands on that. Most women don't care. <laughs> so this woman, now understand where she was. This woman was inside the synagogue in a world of pain, not asking for help. She wasn't reaching out to Jesus. She wasn't calling out to Jesus. She wasn't begging for help. This illustrates that the first reason why hurting people can have hope is because Jesus notices hurting people. See, Jesus notices hurting people in verse 12. When Jesus saw her, he noticed her and he called out to her. She did not reach out to him. She did not beg to be healed. And we know that throughout scripture, there are miracles that Jesus worked in people's lives where we have like the blind beggar Bartimaeus who's yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. Where the lepers are standing on the side of the road and they're calling out to Jesus to heal them. This woman said nothing. She wasn't calling out. She wasn't complaining. She wasn't whining. She said nothing. And guess what? He noticed her anyway. He reached out to her. And that's because Jesus notices and cares for people who are hurting. In New Testament times, the women, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, widows, they were the most oppressed. They were the most ignored. They were the most hopeless of all people. Yet those are the very type of people that Jesus spent time ministering to throughout the Gospels. I remember as a kid, if I really wanted to hurt my mom's feelings, I'd look at her and I'd say something like, you don't really care about me. 
Have you ever said that? You remember saying that to your mom or dad? Raise your hand if you ever remember saying, you don't care about me. Oh, you guys are just good people. I don't know. I was just a sinner. Well, maybe you said in your heart, when you're walking through a world of hurt, maybe you said in your heart, God doesn't even care for me. From this passage of scripture, I want you to understand God does care for you. He, He cares about your feelings. He cares about the stress that you feel, the anxiety that you wrestle with. He cares about the depression that keeps surging back, trying to steal your joy. If you've lost your job, if you've been diagnosed with a disease, if you are feeling abandoned, if you're feeling forgotten about, if you're feeling lonely, God notices you. God notices the hurting. God notices those who feel trapped, who feel isolated, who feel left out, who are scared, who are anxious, and who are overwhelmed. God notices you because he loves you. Now, here's the interesting thing that followers of Jesus have got to come to grips with. Just because we're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean we get a pass to the hurt around us. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be okay once we become a follower of Jesus, that we're never going to experience marital pain, that we're never going to experience hurt, that we're never going to become addicted to something other than God's word. Followers of Jesus are still going to get the bad diagnosis. Followers of Jesus are still going to lose their jobs. Followers of Jesus are still going to feel lonely and they're still going to feel isolated and they're still going to feel hurt at times. So it's important for us to remember as followers of Jesus that God still loves us. Think about this. Before you became a follower of Jesus, Jesus died on the cross for you. God demonstrates his love for you in this. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And if Christ was willing to die for you, if God was willing to send his son to die for you, now that you are a born again child of God, you can be sure that God notices your hurt now. And he cares for you and he loves you. But my question for you is this. God notices hurting people. Do you? Do you notice those who are hurting around you? Do you care enough to ask the single mom a few houses down if you can help her out? Do you care enough about the person that's in a a terrible financial situation to offer to make a car payment or to buy groceries for them? Do you notice the hurting people who are around you? Do you notice the car pulled off to the side of the road? And do you care enough to pull over to offer a phone call or a bottle of water or if there's something that you can do or a place that you can take them? Because Jesus does. Jesus notices those who are hurting around you. And Jesus is not going to show up physically and take care of them. That's our responsibility. That's what we do. We are followers of Jesus. And if we notice people who are hurting, we notice them so that we can help them. We notice them so that we can bring hope to them. We notice them so that we can serve them somehow getting out of our comfort zone or making our comfort zone bigger and serving and helping those who are hurting around us. 
So I ask you this, the next time you see somebody hurting, will you help them? Will you step in and do what God wants you to do? Now, the second reason those who are hurting can have hope is found in verse 13. And it's this, Jesus has the power to restore hurting people. See, this woman did not only have a physical disease, but this woman was being spiritually oppressed. This woman was experiencing demonic oppression. Surely, during the course of 18 years of walking through this physical pain and spiritual oppression, most likely this woman was ready to call it quits. This woman was ready to throw in the towel. This woman was ready maybe to walk to a cliff and toddle off of it. This woman was ready to step into a front of a, a team of galloping horses. But for some reason, for 18 years of spiritual oppression, for 18 years of physical pain becoming smaller and smaller and smaller in the world's eyes and in her own mental state, for some reason, she endured. For some reason, she endured through the sleepless nights. She endured with every step on her way to the market. She endured with every step on the way to the synagogue. She clenched her teeth and she endured through the loneliness, the emptiness, and the isolation. So what does that mean for those in this room who are hurting or those who will experience hurt. Here's what it means. Never, ever give up. Never, ever stop losing hope. No matter what type of problem, no matter what type of hurt, no matter what type of bondage you may be facing, you can be restored. See, if you are physically hit sick, Jesus can heal you. If, you, if your marriage is troubled, God is able to restore it. If your personal life is a mess, he can repair it. If you are struggling with an addiction to alcohol, drugs, or pornography, Jesus is able to set you free from that bondage. See, there is nothing... There is nothing, there is not one thing beyond the power of what my God can do. There's not one problem that you are going to face. There's not one addiction that you're going to face. There's not one hurt that you're going to face that my God cannot bring healing, that he can't restore hope and he can't, uh, there's nothing he can't do. I, I mean, God is able to restore See, over the last couple of months, we've seen in our impossible series the things that Jesus can do, which are impossible. The, first, he, he blessed the fishermen financially by allowing them to catch in that large haul of fish. He healed the man that had the withered hand. He raised the widow's son back to life, showing that Jesus is the one who holds the keys to life and death in his hands. He showed that he was beyond nature when he stood up in the boat and he calmed the wind and the waves. He cast the legion of demons out from the man that was bound up in the tombs. 
Jesus demonstrated through our impossible series that he has power over physical sickness. He has power over spiritual bondage. He has power over nature. God is able to restore your life. See, some followers of Jesus no longer pray for healing. Some followers of Jesus have given up hope. They don't think that God will heal them. There are followers of Jesus today whose marriages are failing and they don't live with a real expectation that Jesus can restore their marriage because they think it's just too late. See, there are followers of Jesus who are struggling with uh, substance abuse. Uh, They've given up seeking to get clean because the power for one more hit is just too strong and they've given up hope and they're still trying to follow Jesus. Don't let that be you. See, if your faith is really in Jesus, then your faith is in also his power to restore your life. That they're not separated. Jesus and miracles are one and the same. God is able to work. God is able to restore hope. Jesus has the power to restore hurting people. And as we transition to that uh, final reason why people should not lose hope, I want to ask you to help me out just a little bit more, okay? Again, just humor me. Just be honest. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. Put your hand on your friend's belly. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The worst thing you could ever ask somebody to do. Raise your hand if you've ever asked a question like this that goes something like this. Why is God putting me through this? See, I think we've all asked that in some way, somehow. Why did God give me this disease? Why did God take my spouse? Why is God breaking my family apart? Why did God create COVID-19? Why is God allowing the riots that are happening across the country to continue? See, often people make this generic assumption that God is behind all the hurt and all the pain that we experience in life. And we chalk it up as that, I guess God's just got some mysterious plan behind it all. If God's the one that causes the hurt, is there really any hope left? How can we place our hope in God if God's the one that caused the hurt and pain to begin with? Remember this, God is the source of hope, not hurt. Look at what Jesus said in verse 16. I love it. When people start to clap, I'm like, come on, come on. God is a source of hope, not hurt. Look at what Jesus said in verse 16. When he was beginning to get criticized by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he clearly says, Satan, not God, has kept this woman bound for 18 long years. In verse 11, Luke also says that an evil spirit caused this woman's physical condition. See, the devil is the one that brought the pain. The devil is the one that introduced sorrow and suffering into the world. Now, Adam and Eve sinned, but it was Satan that brought it to them. Satan is the one that brought the temptation in, and that is why the entire world broke. 
okay? When God created the world, he said, it's all good. He looked around and said, this is good. This is great. Satan might be behind what causes the hurt, but God is so powerful and God is so loving, he can take what Satan intended for evil and use it for good. He can take the bad and turn it and use it for good. Romans 8, 28 is a powerful promise of scripture that I want to encourage you. If you're young in your faith or if you're just starting out or if you're seasoned in your faith, please memorize Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Need some help? I want you to say all things. things. Say work together for good. good. Now live like you believe it. See, if we lived like we believed it, we wouldn't complain. If we lived like we believed it, we wouldn't be causing more controversy about everything that's happening in the world today. All things work together for good. Now, a couple of weeks ago in in my sermon on uh, Jesus calming the wind and the waves, I shared where the hurt or the the storms in our life come from. Uh, I shared where those come from. See, we experience hurt and brokenness through three ways. Number one, because we live in a broken world. Two, because we're all sinners and we're all making dumb mistakes. We create our own storm. And third, because we have an enemy, the devil, that hates our guts. He hates God and he hates followers of God. And so those are the three main ways hurt is introduced to our lives. But it doesn't come from God. God is for you. God is for us. And if God is for us, does it matter what comes against us? See, that is why he takes what is designed to hurt and creates hope. He takes what is designed to hurt us. He takes what is designed to oppress us. He takes what is designed to destroy us. And God gives us hope. Just like he turned the water into wine. Just like he healed the man with the withered hand. Just like he healed this woman. He takes what is designed to hurt and gives hope to his followers. See, we have reason to hope because Jesus is greater than COVID-19. We have reason to hope because Jesus is greater than any disease. Jesus is greater than any cancer. Jesus is greater than the economy. Jesus is greater than fear. He's greater than depression. He is greater than all our problems. And he notices your hurt right now. He sees you right now just like he saw that woman in the synagogue. He sees what's hurting you and your life. He cares for you and he wants to help you. See, that's the kind of loving Heavenly Father that we have. That's the kind of loving Heavenly Father that we follow as a follower of Jesus. He wants to restore you. Maybe you've not yet become a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. He wants to restore your life. He wants to restore the life that you could have had, but because of sin, we were separated from God. He wants to restore your life as though you never sinned. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you hope. He wants to bring healing to you. And if you are interested 
and becoming a follower of Jesus, our prayer team is going to be down here at the front at the close of our service. They would love to pray with you. They would love to guide you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're watching online and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to click on that hand that was just presented. Talk to somebody from our chat ministry. They would love to talk with you and lead you to that life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ because you don't have to be here to experience it. You could be right at home, right now, wherever you are, and give your life to Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you as followers of Jesus Understand this, you can bring healing too. You can heal other people too. Words are an incredible source of healing for so many people. There are people around us who are discouraged. There are people around us who are frightened. Everything that's happening in the world today, people are hurting And they need followers of Jesus to speak words of healing, words of encouragement, words of hope to them. Our words are capable of bringing healing. Some of that healing may mean that you have to say, I'm sorry to somebody. That'll heal somebody's heart. If you owe them an apology, say you're sorry. Or maybe you need to say the words, will you forgive me? Or maybe you need to say the words, I forgive you. But your words have the ability to heal others. Notice those around you who are hurting. Notice those around you in pain and do something about it. That is what our God wants us to do. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are that God who restores. You are the God who brings healing. You are the God that we have placed our hope in. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up, for changing our lives. And now, Lord, we praise you. We thank you for the work that you're doing. We thank you for the 40-plus baptisms that we've seen of life change that's occurred over the last 10 weeks. And we thank you, God, that you never stop working in our lives. So, Lord, we love you and we commit the rest of this time to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said...